0: Hi, and welcome to Data Hack Radio. This is Kunal, your host for the show. One of the attributes I constantly see in people who do well in any area is constant learning. And this is not just in data science. It is true for any domain or any industry. Keeping this in mind, we are launching a new quizzing platform, DataMin. Your daily dose of data science. This platform is aimed to provide you small doses of data science as in form of daily practice. And you can learn while the answering these questions and the platform would provide you resources depending on your answers. And that's not it. You'll also have weekly leaderboards to see who are our top learners from the community. Check out this platform today at datamin.analyticsvidya.com. In this episode, we will talk to Ustina, who leads the developer relationships for conversational AI at Rasa. Now, Ustina had an amazing journey where her side project led her to the world of conversational AI and eventually to her full-time job at Rasa. We'll talk to Ustina about her journey, her current role at Rasa, and how a company like Rasa manages to keep the focus on developers and community. We'll also talk what could be some of the developments in NLP as a domain and Rasa in coming times. Hi. And welcome to Data Hack Radio. This is Kunal, your host for the show. One of the attributes I constantly see in people who do well in any area is constant learning. And this is not just in data science. It is true for any domain or any industry. Keeping this in mind, we are launching a new quizzing platform, Datamen, your daily dose of data science. This platform is aimed to provide you small doses of data science as in form of daily practice. And you can learn while answering these questions and the platform would provide you resources depending on your answers. And that's not it. You'll also have weekly leaderboards to see who are our top learners from the community. Check out this platform today at datamin.analyticsvidya.com In this episode, we will talk to Ustina, who leads the developer relationships for conversational AI at Rasa. Ustina had an amazing journey where her side project led her to the world of conversational AI and eventually to her full-time job at Rasa. We will talk to Ustina about her journey, her current role at Rasa and how a company like Rasa manages to keep the focus on developers and community. We'll also talk what could be some of the developments in NLP as a domain and Rasa in coming times. Thanks, Austina for uh, taking time out for uh, Data Hack Radio. And it's a pleasure to have you on the show. Can you tell us briefly about yourself, your background? How did you start in data science and NLP specifically?
1: Yeah. Uh, well, thank you uh, first of all for having me. It's it's really an honor uh, to speak at this podcast. Um, so I'm really, really excited. Um, so I am a data scientist by heart. Um, I studied econometrics at the Vilnius University uh, based in Lithuania, where I am originally from. And uh, this is where I got my background in data analytics and uh, time series predictive analytics. Um, and uh, I really transitioned to the industry quite early in my career. Uh, while still studying my undergrad, I worked in uh, digital brand protection, insurance, and fintech industries. Mm-hmm. Um, but I have always had a really big interest in human behavioral analytics, mm-hmm. and um, that's why I did a lot of learning on my own and this is how I started really uh, playing around with machine learning techniques uh, while doing online courses and working on my own (laughs) side projects. Mm -hmm. And uh, after I graduated university, I started working as a senior data analyst uh, at the UK-based video games company um, where I basically worked on really wide spectrum of machine learning and data analytics related projects. So pretty much everything you can imagine from clustering the players based on their behavioral profiles uh, Mm -hmm. to building toxic language classifiers or recommendation engines and so on. Mm
0: -hmm. And uh,
1: this is where my journey with conversational AI started as well, uh, Mm -hmm. because I actually worked on... One of the projects where I wanted to build a chatbot to uh, make myself a little bit more productive, Mm -hmm. Um, so basically uh, during my work um, at my previous company, I had to um, provide reports uh, on various uh, um, um, things uh, to designers, um, managers, and developers within the company, so Mm -hmm. I decided to build a bot that would help me to um, help more people in the company and make everyone more data-driven, so that mm-hmm. instead of me doing every piece of analytics myself, I could actually use a bot uh, no which could pull the data from database, uh, create some charts, uh, find some insights, and share um, that knowledge with people within seconds. And mm-hmm. uh, this is how I found uh, Rasa project, and uh, I simply loved um, love the approach, and uh, I also really loved how the company cared. Uh, about the community and uh, every developer that Mm -hmm. um, uh, were using the software. And I I basically started doing, in a way, my own job that I do right now on my free time Um, Mm -hmm. because I started uh, writing some tutorials on Raza, going to meetups and giving talks on that. Mm -hmm. And and then, I decided that it's time for me for a new career challenge. And um, I just got in touch with Raza. and one thing led to another and I actually ended up joining the team. So, yeah, wow. it's been a, a, a more than a year now and I'm, I'm really happy.
0: <laughs> wow, that's, that's uh, really inspiring. And, uh, you know, I would actually want to go a bit more uh, uh, deeper in some of those aspects. So uh, you told you were from an econometrics background, right? That's- yes. So uh did you know coding at that time or you you learned coding uh for your first job how how did that happen
1: yeah. Um, so actually, uh, we did have uh, um, quite a bit of coding in, included in the, in the studies. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't know Python. Uh, mm-hmm. or we used uh, mostly R for mm-hmm. statistical programming and analytics, mm-hmm. um, and we also learned a little bit of Java. Uh, mm-hmm. But it wasn't something that I felt really strong at uh, at the time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and then um, I actually I, I just simply. Um, really, really enjoyed the uh, coding and at least uh, that uh, little part uh, of of coding that we had uh, while studying, and uh, I. I basically learned Python on my own and uh, I started working on um, side projects and uh, especially when I started learning machine learning Mm -hmm. um, while doing online courses, this is where I got my first exposure uh, to, um, let's say, more advanced programming and and especially Python. And then Mm -hmm. obviously when I uh, started working as a data scientist, this is where I think I learned the most on my uh, Python um, things.
0: Interesting. And, you know, gaming industry is probably, you know, not one of the common options for people who come from economics background, typically. So, I mean, uh, did that feel odd or different? Or, I mean, how, how did, uh, were you skeptical about the move or you thought that was the right thing to do at that time?
1: Yeah, uh, great question. Um, so for me, I, and, yeah, and I think it's really um, a personal thing for everyone, especially in data science. Mm-hmm. Uh, because for me, while I was studying econometrics, uh, we did um, a lot of uh, work and projects uh, within uh, finance industry. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I realized that it's uh, while it's it was interesting, it wasn't something that I saw myself um, working in um, in a long run. And mm-hmm. uh, as I mentioned previously, I really um, uh, was always interested in human behavioral analytics and predicting how humans make decisions, uh, what makes them. Choose specific item over another, mm-hmm. and um, the more I learned about gaming industry, I realized actually that it's it's the one of the best industries to go to, mm-hmm. uh, because and uh, my assumptions were confirmed after I actually entered the industry, uh, mm-hmm. because in video gaming the data that um, data scientists and data analysts get to work with is so rich um, because as a data scientist you can um, basically look at anything from uh, what kind of items players buy to why they cooperate with specific users and so on,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and uh, it's it's just really endless uh, possibilities to so many interesting uh, machine learning projects and uh, very interesting analyses, and I actually really, really love that experience, and now when anyone asks me how it is to be a data scientist in video games, I, mm-hmm. I would say it's pretty much like a data scientist's dream come true, <laughs> because you yeah. you have a really, really interesting data set to work with. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think, it's for me personally, it was definitely a really, really great choice.
0: Yeah, in fact, you know, some of the applications of uh, machine learning and video gaming are just uh, amazing. So, uh, you know, while you were there, what are some of the problems that you worked on and maybe the uh, one or two, which you uh, found were the most interesting, if you can tell us a bit about them, that would be interesting.
1: Yeah, um, so um, one of the most important things for any video game or mobile game is uh, usually a player retention. It's a really important challenge uh, for companies to figure out because um, it's basically the answer uh, to what companies should uh, uh, keep, what companies should change, and how they keep the users engaged. Mm -hmm. And uh, this uh, this was really um, a big thing that I... Kept on working uh, while I was in video gaming industry myself. So basically, applying machine learning techniques to to try and predict um, users and uh, when they will come back to the game on day one, day two, day seven, and so on. Mm -hmm. And this is really provides such a good uh, understanding for the company uh, to which features are actually uh, have the biggest. the biggest power to predict the, the retention.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, so um, that was really interesting for me to work on and obviously it's a really also challenging uh, problem to work on from data science perspective because usually you have a, a really small sample of data if you, for mm-hmm. example, want to predict day day two or, or even uh, day seven uh, retention, mm-hmm. you have uh, behavioral data for just day one or day two when the users only get familiar with the game and only that uh, using that data you have to basically figure out Mm -hmm. uh, what's going to keep them uh, in in keep playing the game Mm -hmm. Um, so that is one of the things Um, uh, other interesting uh, problems that uh, I think um, a lot of uh, video gaming companies are also working uh, on is uh, a clustering of players based on their uh, behavioral profiles so how they play the the game and uh, different decisions they make in the game and uh, this also provides a really nice way to engage with those players a lot better from community perspective and, uh, and just from the game perspective and it's a really nice uh, uh, way to um, improve the game because this is how you can know that you have a really big cohort of users that maybe only prefer uh, player versus player type of uh, interactions. Uh, and then maybe you have uh, other players that they o- always prefer to play alone on their own and so on. And and then it's a really, really nice um, uh, piece of information for designers and developers to use to improve the games. Um, mm-hmm. So this, these are just a really few. I could probably speak uh, for hours about yeah, really interesting yeah. applications.
0: And, uh, and, you know, so some of these problems that you mentioned, so, for example, you know, applying machine learning for user retention, these are very common in, uh, you know, video g- gaming industry or uh, uh, mobile-based gaming industry. So are there any, you know, frameworks or, uh, suggested uh, modeling techniques which you can apply to solve these uh, problems usually or or you just treat them as a supervised machine learning problem and then go out and solve it like you solve any other supervised uh, learning problem um
1: this is how uh, I uh, usually used to go around this problem uh, w- was to actually try and, and build a classifier using uh, supervised machine learning based techniques because um, mm-hmm. it can, um, the, the main limitation in these kind of problems is that you pro- usually have a really tiny amount of data. Uh, yeah. So um, using a supervised the uh, machine learning approach is um, usually um, promises the best results and the most accurate mm-hmm. results. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, so yeah, this is the, the, the go-to. Uh,
0: option. And and during this time, did you work on any of the NLP aspects of games? So maybe user interactions or you know judging engagement of users from from the platform text exchanges, which which might be happening.
1: Uh, Yeah, so one of the latest projects that I actually worked on before I decided to move on to my next Mm -hmm. uh, stage in in my career was um, uh, looking at the the chat data because uh, the game that I was working on and my company was working on also had um, an in-game chat so people could Mm -hmm. talk to each other. So one of the things that I worked on was... um, uh, building a model that could identify uh, some toxic comments because, uh, well, in in video games industry, it's not that uncommon to have some not that nice language. So obviously, somehow it has to be addressed and dealt with. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was a really really interesting and and big challenge, I would say, because also when it comes to video game um, uh, players' language, there are so many different aspects that maybe don't really um, are. Uh, that visible in other domains. So, for mm-hmm. example, um, uh, sarcasm and and the yeah. jokes <laughs> are really really common, and they are different from maybe uh, what kind of language you would see in different industries. So, yeah. it kind of makes this uh, challenge even even more difficult. Mm-hmm. Um, Uh, Also, obviously, things like sentiment analysis. So, for example, just by looking what users think about the game and what kind of um, uh, opinions they have uh, about uh, new releases and so on. We also played around with building sentiment analysis models to identify what is the overall feeling about the game
0: interesting and then uh, you know the project which you mentioned where you created your own bot and that's how you came across conversational AI so can you tell a bit more about that project and and what was your first interaction with Rasa and and how did this you know small project where you were working with them uh, eventually turned into a full-time role for you (laughs)
1: Yeah. So in general, as I mentioned, my part uh, as a data scientist within the company was not only to work on uh, machine learning projects, which I absolutely love,
0: Mm -hmm. uh,
1: but to also do more high level analytics, uh, which is also great. But (laughs) Mm -hmm. if I could, I probably would spend um, all of my time just um, building um, algorithms and and seeing what comes Mm -hmm. out. So. Um, pretty much every day I used to have uh, to send some numbers to various designers and, and the developers and managers within the company so that they would get a better understanding of, for example, which new features that maybe were just introduced to the game uh, work and uh, are liked by the users and so on, mm-hmm. uh, or even just simple metrics like uh, daily active users and, and uh, the same retention and uh, things like that.
0: And and how least... big was this team? Uh, so how many people were in the analytics or machine learning team?
1: Mm-hmm. Yes, at the time when I was working there, uh, we were... Three people. So okay. I was a data scientist working on the ML things. We also had a junior um, person in analytics side, and also we had the manager who was basically managing um, the department and all the projects that we are working on. So I did have quite a lot of work to do, um, but also I noticed that quite a lot of tasks that I'm doing pretty much every day are quite uh, repetitive in a way that you know I i usually write uh, a very similar or the same uh, sql query or that i look into the same uh, numbers and um, yeah it just got me thinking like how can i make myself more uh, productive and maybe somehow make my, my work a little bit easier and make mm-hmm. make it easier for everyone in the company to access the data because when i was the only one data scientist uh, pretty much uh, doing all this work mm-hmm. uh, that meant that uh, if i 10 requests from 10 different people I cannot handle all of them at the same time and someone has to wait and you know sometimes when people have to make decisions it, it really has a cost yeah. um, so um, playing around and trying to build a chatbot uh, at first actually sounded um, like a, a little bit ridiculous idea for me because mm-hmm. at first I was a bit skeptical that maybe it's really not possible to um, replace a little bit at least a little bit of analyst work because you know, obviously you have to be mindful about what data you, you pull out and how you analyze it and so on. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just decided to give it a try and uh, build a little demo. Um, mm-hmm. And um, I, I built it for just a few very simple uh, metrics. Uh, So, for example, uh, that anyone could uh, pull out daily active users' data at any time um, and and things like that. And I built this bot on Slack because Mm -hmm. this is what my company was using for uh, internal communication. Mm -hmm. So that meant that no one really has to learn a new tool or anything. They simply um, type. Uh, those questions that maybe they would send uh, me over email or slack they simply type them on slack to my bot and uh, and they get the get the results and i saw that people are really to get the data, and that it actually makes it a lot quicker for people to get um, numbers that maybe they then take to the meetings or make decisions on. And um, yeah, just started to building more and more skills and uh, the, the chatbot grew quite a bit. Um, mm-hmm. And the, the, the main reason why I decided to go with Raz and how I found out about it mm-hmm. was that, that um, in video gaming industry, and obviously it applies to other industries as well, uh data security is a really really important thing because obviously we cannot share our internal data with uh pretty much anyone because it's really um sensitive um and really important for the business um so for me um the only tool that i could possibly use should have been open source that's for sure so mm-hmm. uh, when I was looking for uh, tools that I could use, um, some Python libraries, Puzzle was the only option uh, mm-hmm. that <laughs> popped up. Yeah. And I, I still remember the first time when I uh, tried it, I was also a bit skeptical
0: mm-hmm. because
1: I thought there is no way it can work as good as uh, Google Dialogflow or, or vid.ai because I also tried those tools before. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, when I tried it, it actually, it did work just as well and, and even better. Mm -hmm. And uh, I I was, yeah, I I just, as I said, I just fell in love with the tech and uh, I really love the approach of uh, how the company really uh, builds the software and that it involves pretty much anyone to contribute and uh, share the feedback. Um, and uh, while I was working on this project, um, I remember um, Raza approached me to just share a little bit about the project and tell how I got into using Raza and uh, how this project turned out. So we did a little interview. So that's how I uh, <laughs> I got introduced to the Raza team a little bit. Um, and then because I was uh, quite active in the community by um, uh, writing tutorials, making videos on how to use Fraza, how to build AI assistance with Frasa, Um, um Also, Raza team pretty much knew (laughs) my name and and saw my face every now and then. Mm -hmm. Um, And 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 then they um, simply were looking for a developer advocate to join their team. So Mm -hmm. someone who could code, who could uh, write um, uh, algorithms, who could really understand how the tech under the hood works, Mm -hmm. but who could also uh, go and teach uh, others. Uh, how to build AI assistance with the software and uh, how machine learning behind it works. And I thought for me, um, uh, as a computer junkie, that would be a really, really interesting um, challenge and really nice, uh, maybe, step, uh, next step in my career uh, to try and, and do that, to try and teach. Uh, AI assistance, and uh, that's what I have been doing ever since. <laughs> yeah,
0: interesting. So, you know, walk us through a typical day. How much time do you spend actually coding things versus, you know, being active in community? And uh, so so how does your typical day look like?
1: Yeah, well, it's a, it's a quite a difficult question, I would say, mm-hmm. because... And it, um, I, I don't really have a typical days <laughs> to be honest, yeah. because everything is just moving quite, quite quickly and changing. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would say, um, at least for me, um, um, writing code versus uh, interacting with community, kind of mm-hmm. happens in the waves. Uh, so, for example, when I decide to work on a new project or to write a new tutorial on something, mm-hmm. then. I, spend pretty much all my time uh, coding and, and building something with Raza So for example, if I decide to test a completely new integration, build mm-hmm. something completely new on top of Raza and just see what happens. Um, so then I sit down and, and pretty much spend all of my time uh, coding and, and, and building and developing. Mm-hmm. Um, but then on other days when I when I don't create content, uh, it's pretty much more on the community side. Uh, so I do um, interact quite a lot with our developers to uh, not only help them and help them understand how Razor works, but also to uh, get the feedback from them. Uh, what do they like about the software? What they don't? Because mm-hmm. um, Razor is open source, so what we really try to do is to make it as best as we can for developers. And uh, mm-hmm. we always have this community and developers first mindset. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm usually the person that uh, talks to developers and understands uh, what kind of features they would like to see in, in Waza or what things uh, maybe they are not happy with. And then I can bring this feedback to our um, Engineering team, and then we can decide of what kind of things we maybe would like to improve. Uh, but overall, I would say um, probably f- uh, half of my time in general usually goes to coding, so also contributing to our own uh, software and improving things on the browser side uh, mm-hmm. and uh, creating technical content, uh, building projects and then writing about them. And another half is uh, interacting with community, going to conferences and uh, teaching and and doing all
0: that sure uh, very interesting hello listener natural language processing is one of the fastest growing fields in machine learning it enables machines to understand natural languages the way we speak and talk as humans bring out business insights from text and take decisions based on these insights if you want to learn about nlp Check out our course on natural language processing. It is one of the best-selling courses we offer and have multiple industry projects covered in this course, including building a chatbot using Rasa. Check out this course on courses.analyticsvidya.com. You know, you mentioned that uh, you almost, uh, uh, you know, become the interaction between the developers and the the community. So, you know, uh, and given that there has been a lot of development happening in NLP in last 18 months or so, A, how do you keep yourself, you know, up to speed with these developments? And B, how does that uh, you know integrate into the development cycles uh, at Rasa and uh, you, you know because there has been a lot of development like you know transfer learning using uh, the models like ULMFET or Transformers or BERT so uh, so how does that dynamic uh, happen?
1: Um, yeah so um, myself I, um, I'm obviously for me it's really important to be ahead Mm -hmm. of uh, of things, Mm -hmm. Um, because I'm usually the one that has to teach uh, people. So my personal rule pretty much is um, to learn something new all the time, whether it is a new technique or uh, maybe brush up my programming skills or learn um, something new. So I always try to have some kind of online course happening. uh, Mm -hmm. Or if I don't have enough time for that, I at least try and and, uh, um, and keep up to date with what happens in the industry on even on social media. I I do follow quite quite a lot of people in tech and and see what kind of things they are working on and what kind of things they share. Mm -hmm. And I find it a really good way to uh, to learn and to also keep up to date with what's hap- what happening. And uh, I also from time to time read uh, research papers just to keep up to date with what happens in the research um, uh, field as well. Mm-hmm. um and uh, uh, at rasa we also um, pretty much do the same um b- because Raza is also not just a software company uh, mm-hmm. we also do research uh, so it's something that we constantly keep up to, up to up to date uh because it's also a great way to learn uh what uh, techniques uh, are new and uh, what maybe our things maybe we should try and implement uh, at Raza as well mm-hmm. um and um the same is with uh, the feedback that i bring in um, um, so the way we do this is that we have some meetings when we simply discuss uh, what's new uh, from the community side and what people think about rather um, uh, new features, for example, do they like them or maybe they don't. And then when we plan our sprints, uh, we prioritize which things we should tackle first and what things we should implement first. Mm-hmm. And uh, so that the same pretty much applies to both uh, the research side of things and and um, um community feedback uh, side of things.
0: Sure, sure. And uh, can Rasa be used to build chatbots in uh, regional languages or it is still very heavily reliant on English?
1: Uh, yeah, great great question. Um, so the short answer is uh, yes, <laughs> Rasa can be used to build chatbots in regional languages. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, it's actually... Um, It's an addition to Vaza software that I think we pushed uh, probably a year ago by now. Um, So, um, language is definitely a really big uh, topic when it comes Mm -hmm. to chatbots. And um, I know that a lot of people face limitations when when they want to build uh, assistance in in specific languages. And um, the main reason why it's it's happening is because um, the majority of approaches uh, are still using pre-trained board vectors. And um, you usually have only those word embeddings for only specific languages. Obviously, English is the biggest one because there is uh, quite a lot of data uh, by Mm -hmm. now um, to to learn those embeddings. But at Raza, we uh, uh, try to tackle those challenges too. And uh, uh, we built a model, which is uh, called TensorFlow uh, embedding model. And uh, basically, it's a different approach from pre-trained vectors approach because mm-hmm. it actually doesn't use any pre-trained vectors. Instead, mm-hmm. it, it learns from the data, training data that a developer provides while building an assistant. So, for example, those um, uh, example user inputs that um, uh, a developer would like their assistant to understand and mm-hmm. interpret. And, uh, those examples, they can be really in any language. It can be in English, it can be in Lithuanian, <laughs> for example, mm-hmm. um, and uh, or any other language, uh, really regional and specific language. Mm-hmm. And uh, the model uh, simply learns uh, word embeddings from scratch using the data that is provided. And uh, that basically results in um, ability to build uh, assistance in uh, any language. Uh, well, mm-hmm. any language that can be tokenized <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> because uh, yeah. that that is basically the only um, requirement, Mm -hmm. Uh, but yeah.
0: And is there a parallel effort to build these uh, embeddings in in various languages or uh, uh, that's something which you'll do in future?
1: Um, so at least uh, um, not on our end, um, mm-hmm. but I know that, for example, Fast Text, um, it has a really uh, long list of uh, languages that it has embeddings for. So, uh, for example, I, I think if uh, I had to suggest where to look for good uh, word embeddings for non-popular uh, uh, or less popular languages, I would mm-hmm. probably suggest uh, to check out FastText because I think they have uh, uh, over 100 languages for sure covered Mm-hmm. Uh, so
0: that would be one of the options. Um, yeah. Interesting, interesting. And in terms of uh, applications of these chatbots, so you would have seen applications across a range of industries. So, what were some of the interesting, let's say, examples or implementations of uh, chatbots which uh, which you found interesting among the ones which you have seen?
1: Uh, yeah, um, so, um, yeah, when it comes to especially uh, <laughs> assistance built with father software, mm. I'm really interested to see the really wide spectrum of mm. um, um, uh, AI systems uh, being used in different industries. Popular ones that we see is uh, customer support and um, finance, uh, insurance. And then also, um, I know a few developers who are looking into ways to uh, use Rasa and build AI systems uh, for education. So mm-hmm. for example, for primary uh, school kids, uh, to build an assistant that can uh, could help them uh, to remember uh, their homework better and to make sure that they um, perform all the tasks that the teachers assign to them and also it allows uh, parents to track the performance of their kids Um, and uh, also i know that um, uh, quite a few developers are looking into ways and are interested in using AI assistance or having assistance within the video games and uh, basically if the user has questions and if they feel lost instead of um, just simply dropping everything or uh, filing a ticket Mm -hmm. on a a support system, you can simply chat to uh, an assistant within the game and uh, they basically uh, lead you throughout the game. Um, and um, yeah, I, I actually looked into this field myself and uh, I, I know that there are quite a few games actually based entirely on AI assistance where you actually, uh, the AI, assi- AI assistant drives the narrative of the game. I, I really find that interesting approach and I, I hope I'll see more of these kind of interesting approaches uh, in the future.
0: <laughs> uh,
1: so yeah, so it's, it's really, really uh, wide, <laughs> wide yeah. spectrum of, of, of um, use cases
0: interesting in fact you know uh, if i uh, step back and look at uh, chatbots as a as a domain you know there was initial hype when people felt that you know they can they could move from rule based bots to machine learning driven bots and there was a lot of hype and then people realized maybe it's it's difficult to achieve the kind of things which they had thought and then again you know people are uh, now uh, trying to solve applications which were not done before so uh, how do you see uh, you know chatbots evolving in let's say next 2 to 3 years what kind of uh, developments do you see happening in in this domain
1: yeah, it's, it's a really great question. Uh, so I think, um, in general, the perception of what um, AI assistant is and what it should be able to do is changing. And, and I'm really happy to see that it's changing. And the way we see this five levels of assistance um, mm-hmm. um, right now, uh, I think based on where majority of technology is and what is the go-to uh, still uh, approach for developers is So basically, instead of thinking of how to build an assistant that can converse in a natural and nice way developers go for an, I would say, easier solution to write a set of rules and Mm -hmm. have this um, 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 setting of of how an assistant should respond. But really, it's it's a really limited approach and uh, type of development because... um, the the assistance you can build with that is usually just simple FAQ type of assistance that can't really uh, handle natural conversations and uh, can't drive the conversation. And we see this as a really important part of what good assistant is to actually be able to drive the conversation and walk the users through uh, so that they can actually achieve the goal that they had in mind when they started talking to an assistant. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, where we see, and I personally, where I see... Um, the assistance evolving is first of all the contextual assistance so this is w- what we try to do at Faaza uh, already mm-hmm. um, to enable developers to build assistance that can not only handle simple FAQ questions but to also um, uh, keep the conversation remember the context of like what what, what the conversation is about and uh, to be able to shape the conversation based on that and lots of different other details mm-hmm. um, and in the future, um, I, I believe they will, we will definitely see uh, personalized assistance, so uh, chatbots or voice assistants that can uh, adjust to the actual user and uh, remember the user's preferences and really learn from uh, how, how user talks, what kind of uh, choices they make, what kind of things they ask, and so on, and basically really adjust to a specific user. Mm-hmm. Um, And in the future, I'm sure we will see even autonomous organizations of assistance uh, so that a few uh, assistants can work together to um, solve uh, quite challenging problems um, and kind of do it all. for for the users, Mm -hmm. Um, so um, I think this uh, understanding of like what an assistant should be able to do is already shifting because um, the main reason why I think developers already like Rasa is because it allows this next step. Uh, So Mm -hmm. instead of just writing uh, building simple FAQ uh, assistants, you can already add context and uh, build assistants that are better at uh, um, conversing, uh, better at driving the conversation, and I'm sure that. this perception will simply evolve and as tech involves as well, I think people will want only better and better assistance uh, that can not only uh, complete the task, but also be conversational because uh, that's why they are called conversational assistants at the end of the day.
0: Yeah, yeah, that is true, that is true. Hi there. Here is an exciting update for our flagship conference, Data Hack Summit 2019. Data Hack Summit is happening in Bangalore from 13th to 16th of November, 2019. This year, the summit would have three days of conference, including an entire day dedicated to hack sessions. Last year, we had sold out all our tickets to conference and in all likelihood, we'll do that this year as well. The early bird for the conference is closing on 31st of July, 2019. So if you are interested in knowing the latest in machine learning and artificial intelligence and interact with thought leaders in industry, buy your tickets to Data Hack Summit today and avail the early bird discount. <laughs> Apart from uh, video gaming industry, which other industry you are most excited about in terms of adoption of uh, these conversational agents and in the difference they bring in in the interface
1: oh that's that's a good question um I would say uh, healthcare is something that i'm I'm really happy about uh, when I see that this industry is um adopting um, mm-hmm. the use of AI systems because I think um, at least in, uh, in in Germany and I, I believe in other countries as well, um, I think technology doesn't really touch this field that much yet. Mm-hmm. And there are... I- such an important part because we uh, uh, pretty much everyone at some point in their lives they have to see a doctor of uh, uh, some kind um, mm-hmm. so I'm really happy to see that uh, um, companies and uh, and even governments they are looking into ways to maybe uh, simplify um, uh, the appointment making with uh, AI systems and make sure uh, that people don't wait um, 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 uh, on their phones for Hours trying to get an appointment to see a doctor, and they're improving the experience that uh, patients have. And I think it's uh, it's a really interesting to see those really important use cases being improved by um, simple things like uh, AI systems. So I'm I'm just really curious, and, and I'm looking forward to see how how this part is going to involve and improve. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, and I'm, uh, I'm honestly really interested in pretty much any field uh, because. Uh, what I find really interesting is that people have so many great ideas of how to make themselves more productive and improve the user experience uh,
0: through the use of chatbots. Sure, and uh, you know, for someone who is just let's say starting with conversational uh, AI and chatbots, uh, what do you, uh, what would be your recommendation in terms of the path they should follow or resources which they should use to to build some of their initial chatbots, and how can they evolve their learning from there?
1: Yeah, um, great question. I think um, uh, for um, for a person who maybe uh, is not familiar with machine learning or uh, are not really that strong with uh, in, in programming, mm-hmm. um, I would say uh, my best uh, suggestion would be just to simply uh, try and, and build something and don't stress too much uh, at first about um, machine learning behind that uh, mm-hmm. or you know anything I, and. Um, I believe that, um, um, and we work really hard at Paza to make this experience quite easy for developers, just mm. to build something, to see how things work in practice, and, um, and then build things up, and then dive, dive deeper into machine learning behind uh, all that, and so on. So, mm. yeah, so my, my suggestion would be to just, at first, uh, just try and build something, see how it works, mm. and uh, and then then step by step uh, dive uh, deeper into uh, machine learning topics and NLP because I think it's it's necessary to have this understanding um, uh, how things work under the hood because only then you can really uh, Leash the power of, of machine learning and, uh, and really build the best AI systems you can and sometimes you have to tackle quite challenging um, you know, things when building AI systems in terms of NLP and dialogue mm-hmm. management. So I think uh, getting understanding in, in those topics would help. Uh, so my best uh, um, suggestion on that end is the, obviously to ch- uh, check out online courses and there are plenty of really great platforms uh, these days where you can learn um, general machine learning, uh, mm-hmm. different topics, classification, clustering, recommendation engines, and pretty much everything else. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, there are courses for specifically NLP, so it really depends on what person is interested in. And mm-hmm. uh, my next best suggestion for someone who is starting out is to always have a side project in, in uh, going kind of hand in hand with a, uh, it's always slightly different to what happens when you try to apply things in practice mm-hmm. and by having those two things combined you really really learn the most because mm-hmm. you learn something in theory maybe you do some exercises and then when you have to actually think how you would implement something from scratch yourself is a really really powerful thing so mm-hmm. having something let's say even the same chatbot that maybe you just Get start uh, started uh, on on building, and then you learn a little bit more of machine learning, and then you mm-hmm. go back to your system and see like, hmm, maybe I actually can now implement this new thing that I just learned, and uh, basically learn that way. So that would be probably my suggestion of how to get started.
0: <laughs> no, great, great suggestions, and uh, I totally agree with you know the importance of having projects uh, along the learning. Mm-hmm. So so completely. Mm-hmm. What's what's next for uh, Rasa, and what are some of the things which we can expect in upcoming updates from Rasa?
1: Oh, okay. Um, yeah, so we are working on uh, a lot of things at Rasa already. Um, so, just a few. Um, tool called Rasa X, uh, which is basically uh, the main tool that we believe will help uh, a lot of developers to build and ship to production their AI assistants. Mm-hmm. So right now our focus is really on improving this tool. And it's called Rasa X, and um, so basically we are adding lots of new features uh, and uh, improving the existing ones. So everything that we get from our community, we are focusing on improving and and adding what they are asking. Um, Mm -hmm. Also, we are working on uh, quite a few uh, research topics, uh, specifically on improving our NLP models and also dialogue management, which is a really big topic. So Mm -hmm. I I really hope that uh, in the next... um, um, few months or so, uh, maybe we'll come up with something that we can share with the community already and maybe even add something to our code base. Um, and so just one of the examples is uh, the same transfer learning that you mentioned uh, mm-hmm. is also something that we are uh, experimenting with, looking into, because um, it's actually a really big uh, thing in the dialogue management of how you can enable an assistant to learn from one domain data and then transfer that knowledge uh, when uh, for, uh, for an assistant operating in a completely different domain. Um, so we are looking into ways of how to simplify this so that developers wouldn't have to uh, have tons of data for very different domains because conversational data is not easy to find and get. Mm-hmm. Um, so we'll definitely have some updates on that and some other research topics, uh, hopefully, in, in the near future.
0: Great. No, thanks. Thanks uh, for your time, and uh, you know, I really enjoyed the conversation. The the kind of developments which uh, uh, are coming up, and uh, I mean, as a tool, Rasa is really uh, great. And uh, you know, the kind of uh, buzz and adoption which it is seeing in community, I'm sure you know it's it's uh, it it will be uh, adopted a lot in the community. And I'll hear more about it in coming days.
1: Yeah, thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, yeah, and just a few things that I haven't met before that are uh, part of Raza community or thinking mm-hmm. about uh, getting into Raza. Um, so uh, we will have a developer a Raza de- um, Developer Summit uh, mm-hmm. in September. San Francisco, any Raza user is definitely welcome to join us there and uh, also Raza team is growing. So um, we are looking for a wide spectrum of uh, uh, people in in software engineering, in in, in ML positions and uh, and others. So Mm -hmm. um, I would just encourage people who are maybe interested in working in conversational AI to check out our careers page and uh, yeah. Maybe join the team.
0: Yeah. Thanks. Thanks, Ashdina, and uh, it was a pleasure uh, talking to you.
1: Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. I I really enjoyed it. So thank you so much.
0: Thank you. Thanks a lot.
1: Thank you. Bye-bye.
0: Bye bye. Bye.